Welcome to FF Plus, a new spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. Here you will find a little bit of everything, from what's been entertaining us, to trailer reactions, industry hot topic conversation, and even film award predictions. We hope you'll enjoy this addition to the Feelin' Film lineup and join us each week. Now, on to the show. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for this week's episode of FF+. I'm Aaron, and here with me, as always, is my best friend and co-host Patrick. Yo! Well, my brother, this is a fun show. Already, we're one episode deep. This is number two, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. I am really liking the variety that we get to do in this show. For the one and point two episodes that we've done i would have to absolutely agree it's it's more variety than a normal episode this is true just one movie right there you go there you go we're covering a multitude a cornucopia of good stuff is uh is always going to be talked about absolutely now uh we will say listeners we're going to discuss a couple of movies that are coming out either this week or early next week in uh, theaters or on video on demand. We're going to do some trailer talk later, and then we're going to even discuss some TV shows if we have time. We did think about doing some Golden Globe reactions, but by now we think you've probably had enough of that. And if you were so inclined to listen to people rant about the Golden Globes, you've already done so. So we're going to talk about movies that we've seen that we want you to see. All right, so we're going to begin with some new releases, Patrick, and these are two films that came our way via a small studio that we got a chance to check out. The first one is called Buffalo Boys, and this is an Indonesian film. It is actually Singapore's foreign language entry for this year's Oscars, if believe it or not. It's directed by a man named Mike Wiluan. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, so I apologize if I am saying Mike Wiluan incorrectly. He is actually making his directorial debut with this film. And other than that, the biggest kind of credit that I could find on IMDb, he's a producer on Crazy Rich Asians. So he's done some other producer work in his past. He's actually pretty well known. But he's stepping into that director's chair for the first time. Now, I was interested in this, Patrick, because it's an action western kind of movie. It looked like it was going to have a lot of fun effects and great choreography and stuff like that. And I was a little nervous because I didn't know how this would play for you. Um, You know, this kind of foreign film is a lot different than, say, a Roma or a slow burn drama. So what did you think of it? Well, first of all, the surprise for me was that this is a foreign film entry. I should have known by the uh, large amount of subtitles, although the occasional English-speaking actors popping up, they kind of made me wonder. But I I enjoyed this quite a bit. I didn't know what to expect. I like going into movies not knowing really what they're about. I mean, the only hint that you gave me was it was basically like The Magnificent Two. And so I kind of gleaned what the the overall plot was going to be. Um, and I had a lot of fun with this. The fight choreography, I think, stands above every other piece of the narrative in terms of the wow factor. The movie opens up with a really incredible 
fight that's choreographed beautifully. And I, I, it sets you up for some, some really great stuff later on. And, um, and I, I had a, I had a great time watching it. I, I found myself going, this, this is a Western, but it's not really a Western. It's kind of more of an action adventure type of movie. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So the plot is definitely very traditional. You know, it's an oppressive ruler. In this case, it's the Dutch who have colonized um, this small area here in um, their homeland um, of Indonesia. And these children whose father has been killed, so they've been kind of exiled or you know, lost in America for their childhood and as they've grown up and here they are coming back to avenge their dad's death and liberate their town. It's a very common Western-themed story. It's nothing new there. But like you, I really enjoyed the action scenes. Um, it's got some really good comedy. I thought that the two leads had a ton of charisma and charm to them. They played really well together. And frankly, I, you know what? I'm not ashamed to say this. The fact that we kind of alternate some between English and their native language, it helped me. I, it appealed to me. Uh, there were, there were times when there's entire dialogue, you know, entire scenes spoken in English. And I was like, I can, I can get behind this. And there was an intentionality, I think, to when they use their native language. Yeah. I think if I'd watched this a second time with that in mind, knowing that there's some intentionality with when they use what language, I think it would have appealed to me more. That was probably the most jarring thing about this was we got a an op well first of all we got a little textual voiceover that's a I know it's not the right terminology but we got a little caption that kind of gives us a hint of what's gonna be going on we get the initial scene in the train and we get a combination of the Indonesian of their uncle of the two leads uncle and then we get them talking in English so I'm not really quite sure what to expect i'm like okay so we're going to get a mix and match and then when most of the movie takes place with their indonesian language i found myself just asking why go english why use this i picked up on a little bit of it when they were isolated the two brothers were isolated like by themselves and if there was a silver lining for me because that was probably the biggest criticism i had with it the silver lining for me is that English feels like their secret language that they have for each other. Like, I think that while they don't act differently around each other using the Indonesian language, I feel like that intentionality that you talked about kind of breathes in their individual conversations and some of the things they say, like particularly some of the jokes that land are done in English. Now, from a filmmaking standpoint, I'm pretty sure that, that was done to appeal to this wide audience a lot of which would be English speaking and would kind of pick up on that because it would be difficult to laugh at a joke in Indonesian while, you know, reading subtitles. But there were other times when I think I did pick up on a little bit of like, okay, they're speaking English and I can see why they're doing that. It wasn't a deal breaker by any means, but it was definitely something that kind of got me a little uneven as I, as I walked through the movie. Yeah, I can understand that for sure. It, you know, it had me wondering what this would play like in Indonesia. So like I was imagining, okay, so there's subtitles now because they're speaking in English, but now the subtitles are gone because they're speaking in the native language. I, would, I wondered what it would look like in reverse or what it would feel like to watch it that way. But yeah, with the regards to just the story, it's it's nothing spectacular or nothing shocking. It's very predictable. The villain is the main villain is very cookie cutter, kind of over the top in his villainy. 
and you know it's just got that it's got it's got that foreign flair to it there there is something about the way that asian movies handle action scenes and this one has that it it feels almost like a hollywood produced version of that and it's it's pretty cool i mean they use cannons at close you know range to destroy two people uh, attack two people they they use old fashioned like grenade launchers that shouldn't probably ever have existed or maybe didn't actually exist and they use like tomahawks and bows and arrows and all kinds of like crazy mixture of stuff mixed in with the uh, martial arts here so uh, it was really entertaining and i i definitely enjoyed it and i, I would recommend it i would say it's worth yeah. a watch this is one when when you're telling me that the director mike uh will will one i'm gonna go ahead and call him that seeing that this is his feature film debut this would be something like if i got a feature film gig i would be doing something like this and so i honestly would say the criticisms that i have the main one being kind of hanging your laurels on the action scenes because i felt like they were top notch but the rest of the narrative was kind of middle of the road to me i would probably do that same thing if i'm going to get my directing chops on a movie like this i'm going to play it safe i'm going to give you that predictable formulaic western in order to play in and allow what I would probably consider my more strong qualities. And maybe he's a, maybe he's a choreographer too. Maybe he has that kind of eye where he can envision that. I don't know, but I definitely in hindsight feel like this is definitely a first time director's movie. And one that I would be proud uh, as a first time feature film to have directed for sure. Well, that's high praise. I think we can, Leave it on that note. So Buffalo Boys is actually going to be available in theaters and on video on demand at the same time, January 11th, the day that this episode is dropping. So you're listening to this. It should be out now. I think that it's going to be like a slow rollout, like many indie and smaller films have when it comes to theaters. Many of you listeners, if you're in the middle of America, you're probably never going to get a chance to see this on a theater. I understand. That's fine. But look for it on video on demand. Give it a rental. It'll be worth your time. We think you'll enjoy it. And it does, I'm going to kind of spoil this a little bit here, but it, it sets itself up for a potential sequel. And I can tell you, I would watch the sequel. I, I'm I'm curious what happens to the characters that are left at the end of this film. I would be interested to find out like what a tighter narrative could be like with these same people. So, all right. Number two, the next film we're going to talk about is a documentary. So, woohoo! We get to talk about it. Yay, now. documentaries! Um, one of Patrick and I's favorite things are documentaries, and we just never really cover them on Feel and Film main show. I don't know why not. Probably because they don't fit always the format very well. Some probably fit it perfectly. Um, but anywho, we are talking about one today, and it, it is called Untouchable. And before uh, you start Googling that, just know that this is not the documentary about Harvey Weinstein that is coming out later this year. Um, I found out today by mistake or by accident, I guess, that there is another film called Untouchable coming out, another documentary. That's going to be really confusing. This one is actually from 2016. It began its festival run at the Tribeca Festival back two, three years ago now. And it's finally, finally being released to the public at this point. Uh, basically, the, the gist of this documentary is that it's an exploration of the highly controversial topic of sexual offenses, and particularly those in which children are victims, but it quickly turns into an in-depth look at the legal and social system's harsh treatment of sexual offenders in the U.S. And man, Patrick, this I was nervous about watching this. 
because of the content. Um, I was afraid it was going to try to make me sympathize with sexual offenders. And it kind of did. Um, I'm going to give one more quick synopsis about exactly what we're talking about here. And then I want to hear what you thought. So this is from the movies, press materials and, and stuff. It says this is the synopsis they give us. When the most powerful lobbyist in Florida discovers that the nanny has sexually abused his daughter, he harnesses his extraordinary political power to pass the toughest sex offender laws in the nation. Untouchable chronicles his crusade, and it is a crusade. It impacts the lives on several of several 800,000 people forced to live under the kind of laws that he has championed. The film interweaves intimate portraits of men and women who have been branded sex offenders, with the heartbreaking stories of those who have suffered sexual abuse. It is a film that pushes viewers toward an uncomfortable place, requiring them to walk in the shoes of those who have survived sexual sexual abuse, but to still bear witness to the experience of those that we revile. And that is a literally perfect synopsis of what this movie takes us through. How did you do getting through this? Well... I was a little apprehensive about seeing it. This is one of those, um, we've talked about this either on our show or maybe offline about there are certain movies or certain films that you have to kind of be in the right state of mind to watch. You can't be on your phone. You can't be just kind of picking and grinning, whatever. And in my personal opinion, if you're going to watch a movie, watch a movie, you know, and, and I'm guilty of that too, where I have like, it's a movie I've seen. I'll just kind of go look down at my phone or I'll, pet my dog or whatever. But this is a movie that I was hesitant about watching because I didn't want to feel the way that I anticipated feeling. Now, I thought it was going to be about sex trafficking, honestly, <laughs> because of just some of the little things that were that were mentioned. And I was incredibly surprised at how sympathetic I became towards these sex trafficking offenders. Not just sex trafficking, but these sex offenders, those that are globally labeled as sex offenders that has what one person in the documentary calls a subset of all these other different types of crimes underneath this thing. But the word sex offender kind of gets the global label. And by the end of the documentary, Aaron, I was incredibly surprised at how much I empathized with some of these people that we meet. Uh, you know, one, one of these characters, one of these characters, sorry, one of these people, they, she has two kids. One is trying to, restart his life one is is an older gentleman who is is just trying to get through each day and so it was really eye-opening in terms of being able to understand someone else's perspective and the documentary as a whole got me thinking a lot about kind of the landscape of our culture when it comes to things like race relations and understanding people that are in the you know that the lgbt community and the, the idea of being able to absolutely come to a place where you understand where a person's coming from, regardless of whether or not you agree with that stance. And I think a documentary like this helps us to exercise that. It helps a guy like me, who at the beginning of the doc is like, you're not going to convince me that these, these creeps are human. And by the end of the documentary, I'm going, wow, I'm the creep. I'm the one who's not human because I'm looking at these people with a jaded set of eyes when they are trying to have a second shot at living. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit this right there in the beginning. The word sex offender can actually range from adults genuinely preying on small children to voyeuristic acts. 
to teenagers sexting each other. I mean, people go to have gone to prison in this country because they sexted a fellow teenager. That to me is insane. And what I what I got from this is that there is no nuance in our laws, especially or at least not in Florida as we're seeing them. And and it it does go into a little bit of kind of a more broad national type statistics at the end, but it's it's generally confined to the way that Florida is is being dealt with. And there, there's no room for interpretation. Like you said, it is you're all the absolute worst. It, it would be like if every case of assault was considered murder. The punishment for every case of assault. So if I punch you because I got mad walking down the street and you bumped into me, then I get the same punishment as a murderer. That's the equivalent of what we're dealing with here. And because of the stigma, most of us, ourselves included, clearly, are totally fine with that, we think. Because we don't want this to happen to our kids. And what is amazing about the documentary is that we follow this man, Ron Book, this this lobbyist, this powerful man, who clearly you can empathize with. I mean, he had his daughter abused in his home by his nanny. And you can feel his rage, his pain, his guilt at the inability to protect his daughter. That's where it's coming from. Where the place that his, you know, the place that's driving his actions makes sense and is understandable. But he has gotten to a point where there is no empathy left in him. And he actually specifically says it out loud, like point blank, like he doesn't care um, anymore. You know, he doesn't believe these people exist. They are non-human to him. And he just wants them essentially to die and and be gone. Um, if you do it once, he believes you're bound to do it again. And it deals with showing that. Um, it it really kind of did a number on me, honestly. The, the lady with her two kids was incredibly tough to watch. It's it's a it's a person who has she was a young she was an older teen who slept with a younger teen and the way that it has completely destroyed her life and affected forever the way that her children have to grow up it's devastating absolutely it is and i think we both agree that her story is probably the most powerful of the probably four or five that we get introduced to documentaries are interesting because i think when we talk about biopics and we talk about the forgiveness that we have of inserting composite characters and things like that in the actual movie we make the argument that uh movies are meant to entertain first and foremost and then as side project or side you know side things they influence and inform i think documentaries persuade that's their primary goal is to persuade and then inform and this documentary in a lot of ways does persuade and one of the biggest things that i was persuaded by is and I'm going to say this because documentaries can be biased too. So I don't, I would need to go into a lot more, you know, digging research wise to get the full gamut. But Ron Book represents someone who, to me, he kind of reminds me of a flat earther, someone who believes in the flat earth, who has, these are my facts. I'm going to stick with them and I'm going to disregard any other kind of argument because I'm so knees deep into my way of thinking. And it got me wondering what would happen if somebody in his family became a sex offender? What if they committed voyeurism or what if they committed an act that subjectively speaking was low on the totem pole of being categorized as a sex offender? How would he respond to that system then? 
someone who has been championing and who continues to champion. And by the end of the documentary, I'm looking at him and I'm going, there is a, there's a root cause of his anger. And it is that nanny because there's a, there's a, there's a moment where his daughter is, um, who's now a Senator actually is reading a book that she wrote to uh, about, you know, it's a children's book that she wrote for kids and she's reading it to them. And he's in the background, almost like planning for the day that the nanny gets out and the stuff that he says, it's like, Whoa. Yeah. It's is, almost threatening. It, it is threatening. Yes. <laughs> and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, dude, do you hear yourself? Do you hear what kind of man you're becoming? You're not enacting justice. I mean, you are becoming godlike. Like you're going to be the judge and jury of not only this woman, but every other person who has this category, has this, this scarlet letter of an offense tattooed to them. And it, makes me sad because i th- here's a guy who can't live with forgiveness who can't who can't under- who doesn't seem to understand grace it's all about just realizing justice 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 yeah it really is and it and it it's eye opening i mean we learn through this documentary that the system is just not set up to reintegrate sex offenders it is set up to keep them from ever having an ordinary life again and basically to continually make them pay for their crimes infinitely. It's, it's in many ways, it's set up to trap them. Um, and there's just a huge gap between the public perception of sexual offenders and how many reoffend and then the actual stats um, as far as what those crimes look like for people who actually recommit similar offenses. So it's covered here. Um, it's definitely, I think, one of the most balanced documentaries I've seen in a long time to your point earlier. I, I felt like, yes, it's definitely showing us how to have empathy, but I don't think it was driving us to at all. There's no narration in this documentary at all. It is strictly interviews and observation. And I really, really appreciated that. Um, and, and Ron book, I appreciate him and his, his candidness because seeing a person driven like he is, it was, like I said, it's eye-opening. I highly recommend everybody watch this. Um, it was really, really good, I thought. Um, it will be available on Video On Demand starting on January the 15th, and I think it should be available in many different places. So check for it. Streaming. Patrick, do you give it a recommendation as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I would uh, I would say just go in with, with the realization that's going to be heavy. All right. Well, now it's time for... Okay, well, listeners, here's the thing. There's this movie that's coming out in, I don't even know what's coming out. It's coming out in early March, I believe. Yes. This this little MCU movie called Captain Marvel. Little bitty, little bitty one. And I personally have been a bit apprehensive coming to Captain Marvel. I have had very little interest. Um, my history with this, Patrick, is that I tried to read the comics a couple of years ago when the film got announced, and it just didn't stick. It doesn't mean that they're bad comics. Don't anybody take me wrong. Uh, they were fine. It just at the time of my life, it was not like 90% of new entertainment for me. It didn't have enough to grab me at the moment. So I didn't follow through. That led me to the first trailer, Patrick, and the first trailer, my impression was pretty meh about that one as well. I, I love the idea of the MCU 
getting a strong female superhero finally. Kind of like the DCU has with its Wonder Woman. Yes, we have Black Widow. She exists already, but she isn't superhuman. And that's that's the big difference here. And yeah, we had the people like Gamora and stuff, but this is this is the Wonder Woman, essentially, of the MCU. And it's long overdue. This is a movie like number 21, I think, that we're coming into. So it's it's been, you know, it's highly time for this to happen. But nothing in that trailer wowed me, I don't think. And as much as I love Brie Larson as an actress, I was kind of having trouble buying her in the role based on that first trailer. Um, and before we go any further, I wondered, where were you coming at Captain Marvel from, like, just as an interest standpoint? I look at the whole MCU as much as I have enjoyed pretty much every movie that I've seen because there are a couple that I haven't. Hopefully this uh, Road to Endgame party that we're having over the next few months will help get me uh, caught up with a couple that I missed out on. I My level of anticipation is about what it was for every other one that's come out, Infinity War being there. But that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's been the, the, the level of excellence that I expect from Captain Marvel is up there. I'm not... But I'm not jazzed about it. I'm not excited like, oh my gosh, I'm getting my tickets tomorrow or as soon as they go on sale. I'm going to get my tickets probably the weekend before because we have to podcast on it, you know, but also because I'm, I am excited about seeing it. And Brie Larson is one of those characters or one of those actresses that because of her past performances can sell me on Carol Danvers. I read the comic, uh, when, when Captain Marvel was reintroduced as a female for years and years and years, Captain Marvel was a man. And there's some mythology about the essence of Captain Marvel throughout the history of the MCU. I don't want to go into all that. Listeners, if you know, then, you know, you know. And if not, you know, Google's out there, so use it. But when I saw that Brie Larson was cast for this, I immediately said, well, this is definitely going to be a winner because it's Brie Larson. And Brie Larson is strong. She's capable, and those are two of the characteristics that Carol Danvers has. And so my excitement level was, yay. It wasn't like, wow, but it wasn't like, meh. So it was kind of in the middle. Well, I feel you there. I really do. I mean, that's that's how mine was, too. And I, and I felt bad. I kept having people ask me, they're like, why is Captain Marvel not on your top 25 most anticipated movies list? And I was like, I don't know. I just... I don't know. I mean, it's just not the highlight of my year for some reason. And of course, the initial argument there was always like, oh, but you know, you have to love it because it's a female led superhero movie. Well, I do. I am excited about that. Now, for me, things have changed since then a little bit. And what really has turned the corner for me, rather, on, uh, you know, my excitement about Captain Marvel, there's a couple of main things here. One, is that I learned she had a cat named Chewie, which is renamed Goose in the movie. And technically, he's not a cat. He's a flurkin, which is an alien species, but it's a cat. And he looks an awful lot like my orange-beige Maine Coon Pika. And so I immediately fell in love with him. And in fact, the flocked version of his pop figure, Goose's, arrived today and is here podcasting with me. Um, flocked is kind of a special edition, so it means he has like a fur-like covering on him, Patrick, and it is 
oh, it's awesome. I like I sat there petting my new pop figure for like ten minutes. It was amazing. Weirdo. Um, there's pictures of him on my social media listeners, so feel free to follow me and go check him out. And there's a picture of my actual cat looking at him very suspiciously. Creepy. But beyond that, and wanting to see the cat, which is enough to get me in the theater and excited, having gone through phase one of the MCU again, I'm actually in need of more Nick Fury and Agent Coulson. And I realized how much I missed Nick Fury and Infinity War. And so... I'm super excited to see them again. This also has a great supporting cast. A lot of actors that I actually personally love, Ben Mendelsohn, Jimmy Chan, and Jude Law. So I'm kind of excited about that. I'm also excited because in the second trailer, it added some things that I think made it much better for me. The aesthetic in the 80s that that we're going to be treated to for this superhero pick I think is great. It reminds me of basically a full movie of like that opening part of, Ga- of Guardians of the Galaxy that we get with Quill. Um, I love that. I think that the sharpness um, of the wit between Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson dialogue has a ton of potential. I think the second trailer, then we're talking now about the one that debuted during the college uh, football national championship game. This one... Just, I don't know, man, it just worked a lot better for me. It made me feel like Brie Larson was the character finally, uh, in a way that I didn't from the first trailer. I'm still not sold on the intergalactic team members that I saw. I was like, man, that, that looks kind of like boring, normal, like old hash or whatever rehash. But, but, uh, yeah, I'm a little more hyped now. And I think part of it is also from loving Infinity War and Aquaman so much that. I'm just re-energized for comic book movies and I'm really hoping they don't let me down. I'm going to go into them with my hopes high. Yeah, Nick Fury and Coulson are two of the highlights from this first round of trailers that got me really excited. I, I love Agent Coulson. I was sad to see him. Um, well, never mind. I don't want to spoil a future movie or a past movie, but whatever. It's the Avengers where he uh, he gets his demise and then he ends up coming back on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So spoiler, 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 whatever. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I'm I'm pulling from this, I, I got a chance to watch a little featurette. So I guess this isn't officially a trailer, but I got to watch a little featurette, one and a half minute featurette on, on Brie Larson and her training that she did for this. She got to actually go to an Air Force base and participate in a mock dogfight inside uh, one of the fighter jets. And she really felt immersed into the in the character of who she is. And I think that when you're able to dedicate your time and dedicate your your whole being to a to a character, especially a comic book character, I think that pays itself off. And I think it, it will pay itself off in the fact that we're going to get a lot of fun. We're going to get our comic book movie, but we're going to get someone who cares about the character that she's playing. And I think that's something that the MCU as a whole has been very consistent in. We've had actors that have, for almost 10 years, 8 to 10 years, committed themselves to these characters. And whatever happens during Endgame will happen. But Cap, Iron Man, all these, you know, the mainstays have all shown that longevity and consistency and commitment to your character has helped elevate the love for those characters. And I feel like Brie Larson as as Captain Marvel is going to do that for her character. 
Well, I hope so, because I was reading just this week that according to Marvel boss Kevin Feige, 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 um, see why I'm just terrible. Feige. It's Feige. It is definitely not Feige. Um, <laughs> the upcoming Captain Marvel movie is supposed to set her character up to become the center of the MCU in phase four and beyond. Now, we don't know anything else beyond that, but I envision that to mean that there is probably going to be some sort of a torch passing between Captain America and Captain Marvel as far as who is going to lead the heroic teams of the Earth to defend it, um, even though she's not technically from here, I guess. Or maybe we don't know that. I guess we'll find out, right? I mean, all we see is her coming from space and landing in a blockbuster, which is a fun little touch. But uh, I think that this idea could work out pretty well. I mean, if if this movie is as good as Wonder Woman, and and, and that the, for me, that's not like the best ever, but it's really good. And if it takes hold with the public um, and with the comic book fan audience, the comic book movie audience in that same way, I could easily see her being able to propel us forward. And it would be really cool, to be honest, to see a female-led phase of the MCU as far as who's kind of, you know, being the main face of all of the superheroes. Right. I think the MCU has, well, they've done a ton of things that have gone right. And, and something that I know that they've been criticized for in the past is the male-centric number of movies that have come around. And when do we get our Black Widow solo movie? And when do we, you know, when do we get this or that? And I think it's really interesting that Captain Marvel, the first female-centric movie, is rumored to, maybe it's even a fact, that she's going to be a big factor in Endgame. And that she set, if she's setting up to be the center of Phase 4's you know, march, then, man, all the more love to the MCU for holding off as long as they have. Because, I mean, we know that that's been the dialogue in our movie culture is we need more female directed movies. We need more female centric films. We need a lot more female representation. And what a great way for the MCU to make that exclamation point. You know what? We're not only going to give you female representation, we're going to give her a level of importance that supersedes almost every other superhero that we've introduced in the MCU. Absolutely. I mean, I fully expect them not to obviously be able to defeat Thanos without her power. I mean, those who don't know, Captain Marvel is as powerful or more than pretty much everybody else. So she is a badass, <laughs> certifiable. And uh, I can't wait now. I'm I'm hyped for it. So I'm excited. I can't wait to see the cat, of course, but I'm definitely excited for the whole movie as well. Last up, man, I wanted to briefly just chat real quick and kind of go over something that I posted in our Facebook group at some point over the last week. I had just finished binging all of Black Mirror in about a week and a half long period. And yes, listeners, I know that sounds like I'm demented and I did need some recovery after that. It was a, whew, it was really heavy, but it was worth it. And that's kind of how I like to watch TV. So it got me thinking, you know, I want this year to be less about watching every single new movie that I possibly can and more about balance. I want to find time to actually get through a few series, but I know myself and for myself, I need structure and I need organization and I need lists, Patrick, because I work on lists. That's how things go. 
I am not the kind of person who is going to start a series and watch it all the way over a course of a year. I'm the kind of person who is going to start a series and I'm going to watch it in one or two weeks, all of it, and then I'm going to be done. And I'm going to not do that again for a while. I do things in burst. So with that being said, I have written down the series that I am focused on hopefully getting through in 2019. These are the ones that have my attention. And I'm hoping that you have a list as well. And we can kind of go back and forth. So is that cool? That is cool. I have one big one that I, I want to check out, but there are other small ones that have been on my radar that uh, that I'll mention too. Well, why don't you start with your big one? What is your big one? So my big one is one that's already ended, and that's something that I tried to think about going forward because there are a number of shows that my wife and I watch. In fact, there are one or two shows that we have on our DVR constantly recording and they become our quote summer shows because we don't have any shows outside of like reality television, which depending on what it is, I'm a fan or I'm not. Um, but the one show that I'm, I'm going to check out for sure is 11, 2263. It's the Stephen King. It's an eight episode miniseries. It came out, I think in 2015 and it stars James Franco and he's a guy who gets an opportunity to go back and potentially prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And of course, it doesn't go to according to plan. There's a lot of stuff that happens, but it's a sci-fi kind of trip because he's going back in time. There's some great drama. I like James Franco quite a bit, and it's got a really, really fantastic supporting cast as well. Um, it's on Hulu, and it's one that I've heard a lot about. And I've heard a lot of great reviews, but the fact that it's only eight episodes long with potentially, I guess, no second season in sight, obviously it's 2019 now. Um, it's one that I think I could probably knock out on my own independent of the rest of my life that gets kind of filled up with, well, life, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, it's a good one. I've watched some of it, actually, probably most of it, I think, actually, <laughs> believe okay. it or not. All right. I'm pretty sure I watched the first, like five or six episodes. I've watched at least half of it. Um, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what I saw. It's a, a really interesting thing. I, I like the alternate history type of movies. Um, they're a lot of fun and Franco is really great in it. So I'll be curious to hear um, how that goes for you. The first one I'm going to mention here is, um, kind of a three parter type deal. And that's avatar. So last year I watched avatar, the last airbender, the original series. We're not talking about the movie here. Um, for the first time, and I binged through that in a couple of weeks, and I adored it. I mean, I absolutely love it, and I think it's already one of my favorite series ever. Um, and I want to rewatch it this year. Um, I, I mean, I liked it that much, which is incredibly crazy to me that, you know, my very limited TV time I want to spend on a rewatch, but I really do. And I want to follow that up with pretty close behind it, watching The Legend of Korra, which is the kind of spin-off series from Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, it has a new lead character, Korra, and follows her and her adventures. And then I also have on my list the Avatar The Last Airbender live-action series announced to be coming to Netflix. So if that was to begin, I would absolutely be watching that one in real time as it releases, or I guess I would binge it because it's on Netflix. It would probably all come out at once. Um, but that's another one that is really high up on my list. I doubt that it's coming this year. But just in case, I had it there. What else are you looking to get through? 
Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm pulling out is a movie or not a movie. It's a TV show. It's a Netflix original called The Good Cop. And it's about this pathologically honest detective that is got this weird, like, like dysfunctional relationship with his dad played by Tony Danza. And so it's kind of like this weird, quirky crime drama comedy that just based on the premise alone sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of Monk. A TV show that was on USA for quite a while, and I was a big fan of that one. And I think with the TV shows that we watch, we have a lot of drama on our regular TV show watching. But the fact is, I need something to offset that, and I feel like this is going to be one that does that. So it's The Good Cop on Netflix. Nice. Well, my um, entertainment is definitely not in the comedy realm. I'm looking, and I don't have anything in that area in my on my list, of course. Shocker, Shocker right? Yeah. Yeah, um, but I do have some war series because I do like those. And that's kind of like comedy, right? No. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Not Maybe. really. No. There's, there's not three, three big ones that I want to, I want to get through this year. Um, kind of actually probably the, I guess, centerpiece in a lot of ways of my TV watching or my series watching. And they are Band of Brothers. I want to finally, finally watch that. I've had so many people that I trust, um, and I care about recommend this to me telling me they know that I'm going to love it. And Oh my gosh, Aaron, with your love of war films and your history as a service member, um, how could you have not watched band of brothers yet? So I'm going to rectify that. I'm going to watch band of brothers. Um, I also would like to get through the Vietnam war, which is a long form documentary by the legendary Ken Burns. So I'd like to check that one out. And then there's a new Netflix series that came out last year called medal of honor. And um, I have a very, very soft spot in my heart for Medal of Honor uh, recipients and their stories. I know quite a few of them, the Navy ones, especially the Marine Corps, some of them um, very intimately from my time in the, the military service. And um, I had to study some of these. So I'm looking forward to going through the Medal of Honor series and uh, learning about some of those even more. I think that has a lot of potential. Very cool, man. Well, I'm shifting over to, for my, my third and probably final, because again, time, I'm shifting over to Amazon and checking out some of their original programming. And the one TV series that keeps popping up on my, hey, you might want to watch this, is Sneaky Pete. And it's from the creators of House, David Shore, and Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad. And he also stars as the series Bad Guy. But it's... It feels like another kind of, not whodunit, but more, and not even really a crime, but more just like a kind of, I don't know how you describe it. But essentially, so I'll just read some of the synopsis. Uh, Kranskin plays this this guy named Vic. He's a bad guy of uh, indeterminate nature. And in its first season, Giovanni Ribisi, who's in this, he's in debt to Vic for like 100K. So he hides out in this small Connecticut town by posing as his prison cellmate pete and armed with like three years of prison stories from pete marius this career con man has little trouble fitting into pete's family who have not seen the real pete since he was 11 so giovanni ravisi is one of these actors that i gravitate towards most of what he does he's just got a wide range and so seeing him on the the digital cover of sneaky pete was enough for me to be interested in it. So again, I don't know any much more about it than that. And so I may hate it. I may love it. I know it's got a couple of seasons under its belt. So if I really love it, then I have a, a 
good chunk to to watch before uh, it eventually gives out. Awesome. That's great. Um, I've heard good things about it, so maybe maybe it will be good. I, I like Giovanna Rubisi as well, um, particularly in Gone with 60 Seconds, even though he's crazy and terrible and gets everybody in trouble. Um, all right. <laughs> My last ones uh, that I'll mention, Black Mirror Season 5 is supposed to be coming. I'm now caught up. I'm ready for that. That will be like day one viewing for me at this point. I am completely all in on that series. Game of Thrones Season 8, the finale absolutely the top of my list as far as entertainment that I'm excited about this year. It's right there with any of the movies that are coming out this year. To be honest, I am so excited to see what happens at the end of this series, how they wrap it up. Jack Ryan season two, uh, it got renewed. So if that ends up coming out this year, I'm actually really kind of pumped about that. We talked about Jack Ryan season one on our show and I loved it. So I'm, I'm excited to see what since he can continue to do with that character. Um, a series that you turned me on to last year during our conversation about first man called from the earth to the moon. Yes. I'm looking, I have it ready to go. I'm looking forward to uh, getting through that one. Um, that might be one of the ones that I start with, honestly, because I don't have to watch them all very close together. I can kind of space some of those episodes out, I think, and not have too much of a loss there. So I might be kind of starting off with that pretty quickly. And then the last one is uh, Sword Art Online Season 3. This is uh, my one of my favorite anime shows. Finally, long awaited, came out with Season 3 last year, and I just never made time for it. Um, and I I feel bad about that. I This is a show that I watch with my kids, so it happens a little more infrequently even than my normal TV watching. I really kind of have to plan for that, but it's the anime of choice. Um, there will be other anime that gets watched, I have no doubt, but this is the one that I am putting on the list as far as this one will definitely get watched so yeah there you have it listeners now you know and you can track this along with me throughout the year you can call me on it be my accountability partner find out how i'm doing and maybe we'll check back in at the end of the year and see if we actually watched any of these shows or if we watched all these shows or how our tv viewing has evolved because um, <laughs> obviously obviously we're movie guys first that's what we do right. we're feeling film not feeling tv but we like all kinds of storytelling, and sometimes yeah. there's some really good stuff. Absolutely, and hopefully they won't end up on the shelf with things like Battlestar Galactica and The West Wing and things like that for you. So I'm wow. optimistic. I'm, opt- I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I mean, that these are deep. a lot of these are me. a lot of these are finite shows. I know that was the one thing about television. You're like, look, if it doesn't have an end yet, I can't watch it. And if it has more than two seasons, I'm probably not going to watch it. Completely get that. You know, you're a movie critic first, and I love the fact that you're going to have balance, but pace yourself, sir. I don't want to see you on your face at the end of the year for the wrong reasons, you know? So anyway, well, guys, this is uh, this has been fun, Aaron, and those of you listening, we hope that you've enjoyed it. Hope that we've given you some recommendations for what you can catch coming up in the near future on some streaming services, and uh, maybe we've gotten you more excited about captain marvel or maybe you are less excited because you were really excited and we just kind of brought you down hopefully that wasn't the case be sure to tune in next week for a new ff plus where we're going to be talking not in spoiler territory but we're going to be talking in pretty good detail about the double feature that aaron and i will both be experiencing uh what will be this next week the death of superman followed by the the debut of the reign of the superman the dc animated newest animated feature coming out we're going to go see it here in the next few days and we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about it for next week's episode 
Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter, but be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.